Eight. protests in Atlanta. Yeah. I'm not even going to keep the original recording, so it's going to come in out of zero context, which is fine. Um, anyways, yeah, apparently there was a protest in Atlanta last night about the Atlanta police is building a new like training facility near near DeKalb, kind of. Um, it's like on the border of like the actual city of Atlanta and DeKalb. Um, and something like that. But essentially it's just a training facility, but they have to tear down a bunch of trees on property that is owned by either the city of Atlanta or the Atlanta police, I can't remember which. And the protesters are mad because of the anti-police like sentiment that kind of exists in the, the US at the moment. And then, you know, everybody likes trees. So killing trees to support the police is kind of the narrative that they're putting out, um, which isn't necessarily a wrong, like on factual narrative, that's what's gonna happen. But um, protesters showed up. I don't think it was a ton. I think they said like 125 people showed up or so. And one of the protesters ended up shooting the police off, a police officer there, um, like in the chest or something. Police officer survived, but then the other police forces that were there ended up just like dropping him, apparently. And I don't know if anyone else is hurt, but the police are kind of much like just putting out there as like a self-defense case. And the protesters are saying that the police were never shot at to begin with. And the police just decided to quote unquote execute this guy like in public. Um, I don't know because I don't, that doesn't sound super likely to me just for the fact that none of the details of the guy who, were, who was shot have been released by either the police or any of the protesting groups. So like, it's not like he was some prominent, like leader of the protest and the police targeted him from what, I don't know. It just seems kind of like shit went bad at the wrong time, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm reading a Reuters article about it right now. Yeah. If you Google um, like cop city protests, that, that'll find yeah. it pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, his name was Manuel Tehran and uh, he was camping the police pretty much told him to do something. He did not comply. It became, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, Tehran shot first, then police responded, and he died from the gun wounds. Yeah, I mean, if he shot first, that's kind of just like, it's on you, bro. <laughs> you, know, you decide to shoot at the American police. That's, I don't know. Like, yeah. The crazy thing too, hmm? it was a it was a state trooper, so it wasn't even like Atlanta police. Yeah, I know the state troopers get called in a lot whenever there's extra. They're kind of usually at the extra. I wouldn't quite quite call them muscle, but you know, if a local city doesn't have enough staff to handle a situation, then the, the then you know it gets escalated. The state gets called in, so. 
Um, but I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, state trooper would be kind of like a whack job. Like, just like being parked out there, you know, giving out speeding tickets all day. Yeah, they do other things too. They do like, they, I mean, they're literally, you know, the police of the, of the Georgia state. Like, they're not attached to a county, I don't think. I think they're just given a, like, a, either a route or an area that they patrol. But, you know, so anything that would assist state level um, police work. So I guess if, if there's, well, if there's, you know, any kind of police chases that go across county lines, then state troopers can be involved. If there's like, uh, if someone needs to, I, I think marshals do more of like the prisoner escort stuff, but troopers could be involved with like drug seizure too, even though that would usually fall under like the FBI or the the DEA or the, or the state versions too. But they're kind of, from what I understand, more like auxiliary, um, again, just extra, you know, and they're like the uh, the airborne forces, I guess, right? <laughs> it's just like send them here. We need extra stuff here. That's legit. Do you know anyone that was like involved, like with any of the protests or anything like that? Uh, I got a buddy who I know he was in Atlanta yesterday. He he went to go do some street photography, and on Marta specifically, because apparently I never used Marta that much. Maybe you have. Um, there's like an area of Marta that the Marta trains still go through, but like there's abandoned stations. And I think the Marta trains stop at the abandoned stations from what he was trying to tell me. I could be wrong. Um, and he wanted to basically go and take photos of some of the like abandoned stuff. Um, I've, I've ridden Marta a few times. My uh, my grandpa's a cop for Marta for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, I don't know if... That sounds I'd like say, a rough job. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he, you know, he pretty much did it until like, he got the pension and then he stopped doing it. He was like, all right, there's no point for me to continue. Um, yeah, no, I mean like the Marta police, it's like a really weird job. People are like super rowdy. People are like constantly like bringing weapons with them all the time. Um, yeah. It was just, yeah, it, I don't know, it was just like a crazy, and you got a pension after just 10 years, which like most places that you work, you got to work there for like 20 to 30 years to get a pension. Like at Marta, mm -hmm. 10 years of policing and you get a, you, know, you get a check for the rest of your life. Yeah, um, right. You did enough. Thanks. Pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, he was over it. I mean, he was really, he had really gotten, he really wanted to leave Marta uh, more so because he didn't like some of his coworkers more than, mm -hmm. so than like the people that he had to deal with on daily. But pretty much every day for like those 10 years, like he just complained about it. Uh, so it's what your friend's bringing up. I don't know if they're abandoned train stations. Like, I think they're just like, underserviced because i mean there are like some really crappy stops like kensington's like a really crappy stop 
like you get there and you're just like this is just like no one even bothers to clean uh no one even bothers to stop people from spray painting everywhere yeah like no one even bothers to stop a fight if a fight breaks out you know it's like it's what it's just like what is this um and it's really weird thinking about like how public transit is like in the states versus like how it is out here in japan where like in the states when you think public transit we think like the trains or the buses you just think like insane homeless man and you know like am i gonna get stabbed on my ride to work but like here in japan it's you know everyone rides the train like even like rich people ride the train yeah we've had something similar here in, in hungary where like you know all of the trams and the trains i haven't used the buses too much outside of budapest um but they all require tickets and they're all you know they've got staff members that come on fairly frequently to check and make sure everyone has a ticket you know and uh, so like it it seems like you know i wouldn't say the ultra rich are riding the public transport here in hungary but um it does seem like the homelessness issues and the poor people, the crazies, the drug addicts, like they're somewhere else. Right. You don't really see them a ton. So I'm sure they're there. I'm sure, you know, horrible situations still happen to people. It's not like this is a perfect country, you know, but yeah. Yeah, like same with Japan. Japan has like a weird culture when it comes to like they're like homeless and they're uh, more like downtrodden citizens. Like, remember that photo I sent you of like the dude with like the statue or the statue of the guy like sitting on the bench? And uh, I guess for context for people listening, um, in various cities throughout Japan, you'll see like park benches that have like statues of like saxophone players trumpet players just like old people reading books and the story that you'll hear is that it's supposed to be like a companion thing for like an elderly person who doesn't have anyone else so when they're out and about they don't feel like they're by themselves which in and of itself is really sad um but the story's a lie like the whole point of like these statues on the benches are to stop homeless people from being able to sleep on the benches or like you'll see a bench that has like an armrest that makes like absolutely no sense. It's like you could never comfortably rest your arm there. And again, it's just like, it's a bar that's just put there to stop a homeless guy from sitting or like oddly shaped benches that are like squiggly line shaped. Like, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of a slightly more humane version of when they put the spikes on like like railings of roof cut tops so that the pigeons don't sit there <laughs> oh, gosh. have you seen those yeah i have seen that i yeah. you know I, I used to ask when i was a kid like i would see like glass like i don't know if you ever seen like a wall but like um like a like kind of like just like a uh oh gosh like a gate i'm sorry like mm -hmm. a gate with like concrete pillars uh near my house as a kid there was one of those like gates where there were multiple concrete pillars and they all had like shards of glass sticking out the top and i was just like that's just so ugly like what's the point of that um it will it's to stop people from like you know burglarizing your place but they could easily throw like a blanket or something over that so they wouldn't get stabbed it's also well, for like 
so that birds like wouldn't land there. What's interesting with that is that that's actually considered that might so it's weird right is that you know with private property in the united states you have the right to protect it you have the right to clearly post that people can't go there and to protect your belongings you know now if you put like barbed wire on your fence that's perfectly legal but if you put hidden pieces of glass on the floor by all of your windows inside your house so that when someone broke into your house and stepped on the floor, they would get cut by glass. Um, that's actually illegal. That's considered, I forget the actual technical term, but it's referring to basically like booby traps. Um, it's, and you would actually be liable for any injury that happened, happened to them. They would still go to jail for breaking into your house, but then there would be a separate case that they could levy against you for uh, like hurting themselves on something because it's like your intent is to deceive and cause harm at that point. Right. And, uh, and I think one of the arguments is that you cannot, if your intent is to deceive and cause harm, you cannot necessarily always predict who's going to come in contact with that hidden danger. So a child could be harmed accidentally. A emergency worker who is trying to come into your house to save you or something, you know, like right. to get injured, stuff like that. So your example with the glass in the concrete gates and walls and stuff, if it's clearly visible, then it's going to be like in the same category as like barbed wire. But let's say they put the glass not facing upwards, but facing like backwards on the backside of the, the wall. So that if someone tried to climb up and they reached their hand over to grab hold of the wall, then they would cut themselves. Then that would be like illegal. But the clearly visible like vertical glass is fine. I, I understand that like, you know, because it's kind of like if you're uh, signaling to a potential thief, like, hey, do not, you know, invade my home. Uh, you know, you will like face physical harm if you do so. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a fair warning that you're trying to defend yourself. But like, if you're like sneakily trying to hurt them, then it's kind of like, yeah, you just have the opportunity to hurt someone, pretty much. It's. I think it's a similar logic to why like landmines, well, landmines and like anti-personnel mines are outlawed. Right. Um, in like warfare, but that's a little bit different because that has that plays more into the lasting effect that like it's really hard to find landmines and you know leftover munitions after a war. So the civilian danger after the war is what's usually makes uh, like anti-personnel explosives typically to be illegal. Um, mm -hmm. In the war, you know the idea that you could deceive the enemy, I think it's kind of accepted but it's that potential danger afterwards. So that's where those don't really work. But like you said, if it's a clear, you know, like, I don't know, even the people who, you know, I wonder if it would actually apply for like bumper stickers on cars. Uh, like if you could label on something on your car, like, yeah, you've ever seen those people who have like the bumper sticker that says, uh, like honk again, I'm reloading. 
or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that might be a, might be considered enough warning. I don't know. Yeah, here in Japan, like they have these special stickers for if you're like a student driver or if you're elderly. Mm -hmm. uh, and essentially, if you're like a middle aged person, if you're like in your like 20s, you're up to like 50s, you know, you're considered to be like the, I don't know what the legal term is, but you're considered to be like the more competent person in that situation. Oh, to where yeah. like, you get into a car accident with someone who's like very elderly or who's like very, very uh, new to driving, uh, you would be held essentially liable, uh, depending on the situation, right? Like if you get rear-ended, obviously that's not your fault. Um, yeah. You know, if you get into like a, a fender bender and the person, you know, you, you could have prevented it by being a more defensive driver. If you're not elderly or young, you like automatically would take more of a hit for that. Yeah. So it's kind of damn. So it's kind of like if it's like a almost like a dice roll thing, like in a RPG or something, where if, if one person if they both are equally at fault, then it just biases towards the like younger, healthier yeah. person. Yeah, like the yeah. Nice. Yeah, and I think and there's very few car accidents here in Japan. I think it's just and the vast majority of drivers in Japan are like in that middle-aged group. There's very few because it's harder for an elderly person to be able to drive. And it's harder for a person to get a driver's license because you have to go through several years of school to get one here. So I mean, the vast yeah, like several, like it's, if you're a kid in high school, you'll go to school for like two to three years of just driving class. Um, it's really I think, but I think if you're already 21 years old, you go through like a much shorter driving class. Uh, like for us here in the military, if you have your driver's license from the state, you do like a one day driving test and then they're like, okay, here's your Japanese license. That's cool. But, uh, that's yeah, so I think it's designed mostly to like keep, you know, high school kids from driving pretty much. Like they just want people like in their 20s driving. Insurance is super duper expensive for high school kids. You can't get your license until you're 18 here. And then there are some like special rules for elderly drivers. Like if you have a certain level of glaucoma, you can't drive. Or not glaucoma. Is it glaucoma or, or am I thinking cataracts? One of the, one of the cataracts. <laughs> what, is, what is glaucoma? I don't know. You just made me laugh and think of like, you got a certain level of glaucoma, and I just thought like Twenty One Savage would be like, "I got oh. glaucoma." <laughs> <laughs> like, Twenty One, glock, glock. <laughs> Call me Seventeen Savage because I got that glaucoma. Yeah, that Twenty Twenty vision. <laughs> oh um, man, uh, I gotta tell you this: Have what? you seen The Last of Us, the new show? Uh, I've heard um, that is good, but I haven't seen it. I wouldn't call it good. Um, the intro scene is like ninety-five percent this like true to the like intro scene of the game. Like even some of the same like I don't know. Like, did you play the game? Uh, is it? based on the first game, like when Joel and his yeah. brother were like going back to their house and then yeah. like the daughter gets killed by the zombies. 
Kind of, yeah. Okay. It's like the scene for scene, like the motions are the same. Like this one guy gets shot the same way that like they they do in the intro of the game. Like it's like basically like a live action like reenactment of it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, however, like I don't know, man. Have you seen like the criticisms about like the girl who plays Ellie? Um, no, I, I've, I've, I'm trying my best like to avoid like spoilers for shows I have an interest in seeing. So I haven't like looked into it at all. But okay. like, what have they said about her? Like, is she? Is it because I, she's not get Paige? That. Well, I think the biggest issue that people are having is just that like. And that I have is she looks nothing like the character. Um, like facial features aren't the same. The hairstyle's not the same. I think there's like, a good reason for that. Like you know, Elliot Page, the actor. Yeah. Before he transitioned, when he was Ellen Page, uh, he attempted to sue Naughty Dog because the character looked so much like him. At that time, and her name was Ellie, and then Ellen Page. So she was like, "You stole my likeness," and then made a AAA game that made millions of dollars. I don't really appreciate that. Well, it also made her more famous, so I, don't, I wouldn't call it quite a, really? a, a free publicity. Yeah, uh, and one of the best acting roles in video game history. You know, like one of the best performances. Like, I don't know, like get fucked, honestly, if you want to complain about that. However, like, the actor who's playing Joel, he doesn't look exactly like Joel, but he looks enough like Joel for you to believe that it's Joel. But the actress who's playing Ellie, like, just doesn't have any of the same facial features, even the same hairstyle, any of the same clothes. Like, you could be you could just say that this is a different character and it would be more believable. Like you could say it's, I don't know, Veronica or something instead of Ellie and that, that this is a different story. And I almost feel like they should have done that. But instead of taking the Last of Us like game story, they should have done like just a, a different arc, you know, of like different yeah. characters and stuff, but same universe. Yeah. Um, because it's like, if you're going to, because that's the, the thing that's jarring, is that the intro scene, which is like 15, 20 minutes long, is like frame by frame a reenactment of the intro to the game. Yeah. And then you immediately get introduced to Ellie, and she looks nothing like the character. So it's like, you're going to go through all this effort to make the character look, I mean, make the show feel just like the game did and then rip away the likeness of the character like in the, the when they get introduced it it's it i it's i just feel like it's poor like resource management at the bare minimum like it's disappointing as a fan but it's also just like why bother making it so realistic and true to true to the game if you're going to do that halfway through and also to your point like where you said she, maybe they're, they don't want to deal with Elliot Page, like suing them or whatever. The actress who's playing Ellie 
is another like non-binary gender fluid kind of person. Okay. And like has made that kind of like a huge part of their like public identity. Right. So I don't know why if I'm Naughty Dog, if I already had someone who like transitioned from female to male and then made a big stink about using their likeness and everything. I don't know. I'd be a little bit leery of hiring another actress to play in objectively like I think Ellie's a lesbian in, in the second game, right? Like, or comes out as gay. Um, how, but, how old is... I think, I thought Ellie was like 12 in the first game, like a little ass kid. Yeah, and I think I, that's what I never played Last of Us 2. Hmm? I'll be honest. Like, the endings of the first Last of Us game, like, upset me so much that I was just done with the series, even though I really enjoyed the game. <laughs> I'll be honest, I never finished the first game, so... Don't I, do it. A lot of my, like, here, like my... I, like, kind of like you, I really enjoyed the first, like, probably... I don't know, eight hours or so of that game I played. Yeah. And then I I think another game came out or something. And like, I don't know. But point being, like, I know people were frustrated with the ending of both the first game and the second game. Oh, and wow. something people were frustrated with in the second game, I believe, is that Ellie has a love interest. And I don't know how long the second game comes after the first game, like in a timeline. But I think, like you said, like Ellie's kind of like a 12 year old or something in the first one. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think one complaint people had about the second game is that her love interest uh, was a girl, which I mean, it's whatever. Like, I, I'm not going to make a stink about a lesbian character in a video game. I don't give a fuck. But I think people, we're making the argument that she was too young of a character to be introducing like non-heterosexual themes. Like, but my argument is that the game is not aimed at young audiences anyways. So like, you know, 12 year olds probably shouldn't be playing The Last of Us. <laughs> Right. So I don't get what the problem is, is like introducing adult themes into an adult game. That's kind of where I would stand on that. But like, regardless, like Ellie's character was definitively a girl and, and I, as I believe a lesbian, but a girl, right? Yeah. And the, from, I, I've heard that like Elliot Page is now saying that they fully support like the new girl who's playing the new character playing the new version of Ellie. Yeah. And like the new girl, her whole like personality and identity is like surrounded by the fact that she's like non-binary and like gender fluid. And I'm like, what do you bet there's gonna be some like changing of the characters like core identity halfway through the show or something because like and then just making this another like political show to get like attention attached to it you know right um i don't know i just kind of wish 
people would make a show. If you're gonna make a show based on source material, just follow the source material. Like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, they could. It's like I guess there's like a mixture of like audiences that they're trying to appeal to. What what streaming service is the show with HBO Max? Or? Yeah. So yeah, HBO Max in particular, I think they're trying to do what Netflix was doing back in like the early 20 teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and like really, really trying to reach out to like the LGBTQ community by showing a lot of characters like a lot of representation. Uh, but I think because with the they also put out another show very recently called Velma, which is a spin-off of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It was made by like Mindy. Um, I forgot her last name, but she's like the Indian actress. She was on The Office and uh, Mind of Mindy shows like that. She was like Kelly on The Office, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she produces this uh, Velma, which is like literally, like, so Velma's like Indian in the show. Uh, Shaggy is replaced with a guy named Norbert and he's, or Norville, and he's like basically just Shaggy, just a black dude. Um and it's it's like a very weird, like 2012 feminist frequency SJW, uh, like parody, pretty much. Like I don't I don't know if they like genuinely meant to like use all of these like SJW stereotypes and like really bad humor, or if it was supposed to be ironic. But like it's, it's just bad. It's just bad. It's just a total miss. Uh, if you have, I mean, if you don't mind wasting five minutes of your life, I'd just Google like, you know, why Velma sucks, and they'll just show you like some like the really, really, really terrible well, jokes. I'll tell you why Velma sucks because Velma is like the least likable character from that show, anyways. Like you know, basically. Like, and the worst part is like even the the aspects of Velma that people do like, they just didn't. They just got rid of that, and they just made it like this weird, awkward. Like emotionally unstable teenager who likes solving mysteries, and then she has like Daphne's like half Asian, and that's like a huge aspect of her character in the show. When originally like Daphne was just pretty, like a yeah, just like literally just like pretty. She's still redhead, but like she didn't really have a character. She didn't really have like a personality outside of just being one of the friends. Yeah, and I mean the show really, never had any depth. Like, why are you yeah. just add depth to, kid, to a show that didn't? It was a bunch of kids that were kind of just a cutaway of, like, American society at that time solving fucking fake mysteries with a dog and a pothead. Like, yeah. there's, not, there's no deeper, like, story to take away from that. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, legit. And, yeah, so it's very personal. Like, it's obviously, like... Just the fact that Velma was made Indian, to me, I think it's, like, obvious that Mindy was, like, hey, I identified with this character as a kid, and now I'm gonna, like, make her me, literally. Yeah, um, but why do we care? Why does the audience care? It's like, and, that, and that's, like, that's like yeah, exactly. Like, it's like who was this show for, exactly? Was it, was it just for Mindy? In that case, go film it on a... Go buy some Canon R- R5s and some gimbals and some studio lights for a fraction of the budget that probably went into that and make your little short film for yourself like yeah you know you got enough friends in that industry that you could go make something cool 
throw on YouTube and cool. And if people like it, then maybe, but it's like, I don't know. Yeah, no, nah, it was crazy. And it was weird too. It's, it's such a bad show. And I'm wondering like, how did this get through like HBO executives, like people that made, they produced Game of fucking Thrones. And Walking like, Dead. Like, that's AMC, but like, oh, you know, gotcha. but still like, you know, the Sopranos, like people who, yeah. like they know what they're doing. Like they know like what shows suck and what shows won't suck. Do they though? I know. So, I, I think about this sometimes too. Like whenever I think like, oh, I want to work in TV. I'm wondering like, let's say I got hired at Netflix and Netflix is like, okay, we're going to put you on this team to produce a show. And I'm like, oh, I don't know shit about producing a show. <laughs> like is that what happens like do they just like take like random kids with like some kind of like management background or like a little bit of theater and they're like oh okay you know about you know uh, make putting on a show like produce this like you're, we're gonna make you one of the producers we're gonna put you under like seth rogan who's pretty much gonna be like the well, no i think seth rogan's actually very involved in all of the shows that he produces yeah. uh we're gonna we're gonna put you under x celebrity who just has like name recognition, but they're only like an actor. Like they've never actually like been on the production management side of making a television show. And you have like a business background or whatever. Uh, this is your show, produce it. And maybe that's why these shows end up sucking so much. Like they just, they give like new people like too much uh, control over the product and they don't really know what they're doing. It's just a matter yeah. of like, when you get this out. I don't know. They're Remember, like, Zoom? We, Remember need Zoom? Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> we need new blood. We need new blood. Get out there. Yeah. But it was got remember like Zoo, like from Netflix. Hey, don't fucking say anything bad about Zoo. Okay? <laughs> but you, you gotta admit, like everything about that. I don't show... have to admit shit. <laughs> Zoo, well, Zoo was perfect. Okay. <laughs> you and me had such a good time watching Zoo. Have you had a good time a good watching Belma? No, <laughs> no, like, but it was me. So, like, from my perspective, I'm watching the show. I'm like, this is like every like movie trope possible, like in one television show. It was perfect. <laughs> They're just like, if all of these things worked individually in every other movie ever made, of yeah. course, they'll all work together in this one television show. But that's kind of like how like it feels sometimes with like some of these shows, like Velma in particular, where it's like, let's just collect all of these tropes that kind of work individually, then smack them together, and then present that to the public, and then see if people like it. Yeah. Um, and kind of segue segueing back to like where the conversation started, what you were saying about you feel like they're going to go in a direction with the uh, actor that plays Ellie, and you know really make the personal aspect of that person's life an uh, integral part of the show. I don't know. Maybe they're just thinking like, maybe they just, maybe now with like media, like they have to get people's attention and like traditional media is no longer afraid to experiment with like all of their big budget shows. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're maybe it's the opposite. Maybe nothing's working anymore, so they're just trying. Like, you know, it. yeah. Because you, you gotta explain to your bosses and your shareholders why 
you know, like why Avatar didn't make the money it was supposed to. Right. Like, and you have to go, well, that's because we were following an old motto or old model of how to make things. So we got to change things up. But when they change things up, they're not changing things up based on data. They're just going, we need to do something so different that it is different. And it's like, well, okay, no. You, like, progress is made through incremental changes, not giant swings. Right. So it's like you hone down a knife, right? Or like you sharpen a rock by taking all the chips off of it, not by just going and getting a different fucking rock. Right. <laughs> so. I feel like, I feel like, we don't really or like major productions like Disney and all these major studios that have pretty much taken over the industry. Like uh, they don't rely on talent very much, right? Like it, it's gone very heavily towards like, or we have this massive budget uh, and we have all these guys in India and Canada and Korea and even in the States who can make visual effects for like very, very low. You know, we can hire just like an army of animators. We can hire just like an army of like audio engineers and all these massive special effects crews to create like these spectacles that we don't really have to worry about like good storytelling or good acting anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we just end up with like really shitty shows. Like I feel like they should just go back and just stop spending hundreds of millions of dollars on these productions and just make like regular shows again just like regular like low budget but i guess it doesn't make enough money and they're just trying to make as much cash as possible but well i, I think there's two points in there one i think that if you don't make a show that's very challenging or thought-provoking or deep you don't have to worry about the backlash from the extremely vocal uh polarized like political landscape in our country you don't have to work if you don't make anything that challenges anything you don't have to worry about it rocking the boat too much mm. um but if so if you don't make something that's deep and challenging and thoughtful you have to make it exciting and like you said a spectacle and if you're not making it deep and thoughtful but you don't need actors or storytelling to you don't need to invest the time in crafting something like that either you could just pump it out and if you've got these animators that can pump it out quickly, then you get a better bang for your buck without any of the like social reactionary risk that comes with it. Yeah, people might say the story sucks, but they're still going to watch it because it's beautiful, like visually, right? Right. Um, and it kind of reminds me of what happened with a lot of the video game series, and, the, and specifically where you were saying that they don't need actors anymore; they just have money. But they also they just they own all the IPs. There's no new IPs coming out, really. And when the new IPs come out and they aren't thoughtful or, or deep, they flop because no one gives a fuck about the IP because it's new and there's nothing, there's no depth in it to hook them in either. So they're cashing in on this existing IP history, like with Star Wars, Marvel, and Harry Potter, and, you know, all the DC stuff too. Like, you, you take these existing stories you don't have to make a new story everyone already knows it and you just make it flashy you add explosions you you michael bay it you know and people will watch it this happened with video games this happened with like i mean i love the halo franchise but it happened with halo it happened with um call of duty where every year 
you, you know, even to some extent, the Madden games and the like, 2K games are like a perfect example where every fucking year it was the same thing, just with slightly better graphics, better frame rates, you know, new guns, a new zombie mode. Like, you know, oh, this new athlete who was really popular last year is now on the cover of this game. So that'll sell. And it turns into just like you're you're just packaging the brand and a new piece of software for someone to watch and just glue their eyes to for a moment. But there's no depth to it, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Each battlefield game came out with less and less maps and like less guns. Which is originally what like made Battlefield cool. Like Battlefield Two and Battlefield Bad Company, even Battlefield Three had uh, like really destructible environments, tons of guns, a ton of different maps, really like innovative and creative DLC that came out that supported the game as it went along. But like the newer games have just been like six maps, like four maps, and then like you know, a grind that's next to impossible to get through. But visually, the game has never looked better. And that's what they sell people on. And the idea that you're going to miss out if you don't see it, you know. And the Marvel movies did that too. Now, the Marvel movies actually had a compelling story to some extent. But they also used that story to sell you on the shitty movies that no one gave a fuck about. Like the the Ant Man and the Wasp movies and you know whatever else that like wasn't really the main you know kind of like four characters like you know like the Hulk or Iron Man and whoever else the fuck else like right if outside of those those other movies were just you can't miss it because then you're gonna not know what happens in the next movie it was like the Game of Hearts uh, not Game of Hearts um, Kingdom Hearts like strategy where if you wanted to know the storyline for kingdom hearts like when kingdom hearts 3 came out like fucking what 15 years after the second one came out there were so many like small intermediate games on like a variety of systems that was like just such a cash grab you know oh yeah but if you wanted to know the story, if you were a fan, you'd go and play them. You'd go buy all the systems to play them, too. Um, yeah, I, I remember there was one. Um, it was either, like, right before I got into high school, and a buddy of mine was really into Kingdom Hearts. He was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for the next Kingdom Hearts game. And the title, it was, like, it was like 350 and a half days or some shit. And I was just like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, what is this ridiculousness? Yeah. Well, what is this? It was like the meme, uh, like back when like the Halo games were coming out, like in fast succession. They were like, oh, "Pretty soon, Halo Thirty Seven will be coming out. I can't wait." But yeah, no, I, I see. Exa- I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, no, you're Remind me of that. Kingdom Hearts Four is supposed to be coming out relatively soon. Really? Yeah, I've only ever played. Uh, like a little bit of Kingdom Hearts one and like two hours of Kingdom Hearts two, and it just wasn't for me. Yeah, I never really cared for them. I understood that they had a really deep story, with but the game it's kind of like the opposite problem. It's like when you 
this the gameplay to me was never fun so it no, didn't no, make no. me want to continue with the story <laughs> and it's like the opposite problem of the spectacle shows and games that are out now where the gameplay is empty as fuck but it's pretty enough that people play and there's no story so but they'll just stay for it so it just it was so bizarre to me like i i can never really get with like the actual human characters look like kind of serious you know they look um it, they they look like they're a part of like a really serious story which i guess in kingdom hearts is but then you throw in like this super goofy like disney characters and like just like the animation of the game how you're like hopping around with these like oversized shoes it, it just it looked like it just a circus to me i was like i can't really get into this if i was a little kid like when i played the games and like i'd be probably maybe i might be into it i might be entertained by it but um I think I was a little bit too old. I think it was like maybe 13 when I tried it. I was like, nah, I can't do this. Yeah. And I'm not shitting on like anyone who, you know, enjoys these games. Um, no, I am. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, I'm not doing that. All right. I'm, I'm going to declare right now, like, my opinions are my own. They're not meant to make anyone feel like shit. If you feel like shit, based on what I say, then... Uh, thank you for placing so much value in my opinion. Because it's like you don't place enough of value on your own opinion. <laughs> yeah. Like your own your own opinion of things. You'll be like, man, I like this, and then someone will be like, man, that's shit, and the next day, <laughs> you'll be like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> and, and now it's like, yeah, like. Skia's got good ideas, and he's got valuable opinions, but if his opinions hurt your feelings, don't worry. They'll change tomorrow. <laughs> so, That's all but, I mean. I have, like, a... I'm about to send you a meme. Where? Uh, just on Facebook, maybe a chance. Always seek the approval of others. It fills the emptiness inside you. It also makes the emptiness larger, so it can hold more approval. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> the guy looks like uh, like the One Punch guy, kind of. <laughs> just, just generic Asian man. <laughs> like, I didn't know. Well, he looks like really sleepy, though. Oh, he's bald. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't say he was bald. I said he looks sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the, the super like bored, unimpressed look? Yeah, yeah, what? His eyes look... I don't even know, dude. His eyes, like, look the wrong size for that head. <laughs> they, they look like too close together. They look like someone drew the eye, like in like Illustrator, and then just copied it and mirrored it, like on the horizontal axis, and just threw it on the other side of the face. Damn, you're just like it, roast this drawing. Yeah. I mean, the beard's good. The beard was done well. The the hand looks like it could actually be someone else's hand. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I saw like the hand has no knuckles. It's just like finger and palm. Yeah. <laughs> like there's all this texture on this guy's uh, like, <laughs> like his robe and the, the and the beard stubbling and everything, and then the hand is just coming out of nowhere, just like and it it doesn't look like it's necessarily attached to him. It's almost like it's just pointing at the speech bubble. Yeah. Like like one of his homies who happens to have no skin features is just pointing up like, yo, look at this fat. <laughs> I 
what why why did you send that? I'm not <laughs> I'm not responding to this. <laughs> what happened to you, Elijah? Your humor has changed so much. You've become so mature. What's I'm wrong not, with you? I'm not. That's just weird. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> this is not a maturity thing. This is a like are you scared? gone to the weird place of the internet again thing. <laughs> oh, man. The other night, like, I was legit scared. I was just like, where am I? <laughs> Why am I here right now? I need to get off the internet. Hmm. Yeah, I found, like, All this, right. this... Um, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I just found, like, this, like, ridiculously dark, like, political meme page. And I'm just, like, going and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, no. Yeah, they just radicalize twelve-year-olds. I've noticed like, some of my coworkers are just like hella, like on the verge of like, oh my gosh, um, should I report you? Like, like for what? Uh just like extremist ideology. Like we had this uh, extremism meeting in like uh, what kind of extremism are you talking? Like. Alu Akbar extremism, or are you talking like the South will rise again extremism? Uh, kind of like the South will rise again. It's ba- so like one of the memes that he shared was uh, uh, oh, what was the Nazi from Inglorious Bastards, the one who knew all the languages? Yeah, yeah, it was basically like him with like his fate, his eyeballs scratched out. And on one hand, he's like knowing that the impending war is on its on its way, and then on the other hand, knowing that the the West is doomed regardless. I'm just like, what is that? Where, where did you find this? Where did you find this like incredibly disturbing yeah. uh, on the internet? And why did you think it was cool to like post it publicly? Yeah, it's like at a certain point you're like, just because you call it a meme doesn't mean it's a meme. Yeah. <laughs> it could just be weird and bad and hateful. Yeah, it's just like, it's kind of just like telling of like, there's such thing as like a dark sense of humor Mm-hmm. And then there's like weird, bizarre, you know, violent, angry thoughts that you have that are like materializing themselves in a, a very concerning way. Yeah. Uh, then there's another part of me that just doesn't give a shit. There's another part of me that's just like, all right, sure, dude, it's your life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really couldn't care less. Well, it could be that. It could be the other thing where, like, you know, the other day, I think back in October or November. I don't know. I my time frame lately has been really weird. In the last couple months, but recently, uh, like the Ger- Germany had like an attempted coup that was foiled like at the last moment. Oh wow! Um, it was like thirty something people were arrested across like three countries, and there were a lot of them were either current or like former German military. Uh, personnel that were going to go overthrow the parliament and they had like a execution list of like certain parliament members that they thought they just couldn't like reason with at all and then they had like others that they wanted to like threaten with like blackmail and violence to make them like agree to certain other things and then they had like another list of people they thought would be like sympathetic you know Mm. Uh, stuff like that so that was kind of interesting um, where, you know, maybe someone had reported those people sooner. I mean, all that was was actually, like, 
caught and had been under surveillance for like six months and they just decided to like arrest them like the day before everything happened um, right but you know sometimes things like that slip through so are you tell are you telling me to snitch i'm telling you to what's the like like the cia <laughs> term where it's like like don't act just observe and report back it's like you know keep your cover <laughs> you know um but real real quick kind of like pause slash like segue within this recording we've kind of bounced around a lot mm. on topics which is fine and it kind of gave me the idea that since i can download this audio as like one chunk, I could throw it into to Premiere and then cut it up into multiple smaller, like eight to 10 minute like sections, you know? Yeah. And then we could upload those with like individually over time too. Um, even though like, I guess we could still have like the giant podcast that's kind of fluid, but I'm sure you've probably seen it how like other podcasts have their stuff cut up to clips, but it's just like, yeah. I think with the nature of how ADT, our conversations kind of go, it would be probably best to like do that anyways and really hone in on like kind of going down a rabbit hole on something. And if we split off onto something else, that's cool too. But like those rabbit holes, like I think you and me will probably just be better at producing these kind of like shorter tangents instead of one cohesive idea um you know we won't get on and talk for an hour about the falklands war you know um but with that being said i am probably going to run out of time shortly um I was wondering if you wanted to go ahead and talk about something like cameras or cars for a moment so that we can have some of that content and then jump and then probably talk about something in cars for five or 10 minutes and then talk about something with cameras for five or 10 minutes and then call it quits. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so I actually, the other day, um, just decided to just look up things about like you know what what does full frame mean and you know crop sensor mean and all that um and i see what you're saying how like if not mistaken like the full frame sensor was designed to imitate the 35 millimeter cameras of back in the day uh, which were really popular yeah. for talking um so that's probably why like getting a 35 millimeter lens to go with my mirrorless camera would like be ideal and pretty much be like what it was designed to do originally. Uh, kind of. That's a little bit of a like a misnomer right there. Where like the thirty-five millimeter lens does not mean that it's a thirty-five meant for thirty-five millimeter like film or sensors. Mm -hmm. um, the thirty-five millimeter lens is referring to the focal lengths, but thirty-five millimeter as a format, it or like full frame as a format is the size of the film. Um, either, I can't remember exactly, it's either the uh, 
diagonal of the film from like the top corner to the bottom corner or it's the general width is 35 millimeters it's one of the two i believe it's the width though because i remember reading at one point that like 42 millimeters is the diagonal of a uh, piece of film in that if you paired like a 40 millimeter ish lens on 35 millimeter film it would be the closest thing to like a one-to-one -one coverage of the film or something like that um, because the 42 millimeter width of the lens would cover the 42 millimeter diagonal of the uh, film or the sensor i think that's how that kind of works but like essentially for what you're talking about if you want it to be like like true to true you just need to make sure that your lens is designated as like a full frame or a 35 millimeter format lens um, for your full frame mirrorless camera it if you use the smaller lens for like a crop sensor camera or something sometimes referred to as super 35 millimeter film, then you're gonna have your sensor area is gonna be cropped down and you're gonna get some uh, perceived magnification to the focal length to be able to view. And which makes it feel more zoomed in. Um, and you would have some really crazy vignetting on your corners all across the frame. Um, but, you know, it, the opposite goes the other way. You can use full frame lenses on like a crop sensor camera and you're not going to have any issue. You're just going to have, well, you're not going to have any like degradation to the viewing area through that sensor, but your focal length is going to work a little differently um, as far as field of view is concerned. Okay. That's a lot. Does that make sense? <laughs> I mean, it was like a bit of information, but yeah. I'm going to have it like recorded so I can re-listen to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and listen to it again. Hmm. Okay. Um, so like you and me have this trip coming up and in March, essentially, to go to Vietnam. Uh, what kind of things are you interested in when we're doing photography there? Oh, uh, you know, like I brought up, like uh, Mekong River Delta, like, that's a big one for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it would, one, it, it's not only is it just like a cool historic place to to be to like visit. But I think there's going to be some, uh, maybe some interesting animals, interesting birds. That you don't see everywhere um, that you can take photos of over there. Yeah, really nice kind of environment too, as far as like the different colors and stuff. Um, you know, different than what we have in at least, you know, Georgia, and probably from what you're getting from urban Tokyo and stuff. Um, something that's kind of cool too is from things I've seen about that tour is the, the boats are really low to the water. Um, so any kind of, you know, camera angle you get, you could either hang your camera over the edge a little bit and then you could get some really nice like low angle shots. You could even get like 
if I don't know where the boat will, will be, but we are like at the back of the boat, you know, you could basically get the camera almost at water level and then you could have part of the, the hull of the boat in frame, which would be cool. Um, and just, you know, it's going to be like, I think of a lot of low trees and interesting vegetation, like essentially like that kind of scene where you have the flat water in front of you of wherever we're going and you have like kind of thick overgrowth to either side of the, the river um, and then you have sky above you, you it's going to make the scene look a lot, even if it's tight, it's going to make it seem kind of like uh, kind of not wide angle, but almost like the opposite of compression uh, where you know, if you shot all of it in like a 16 by nine aspect ratio, and I hate using this word, but it would look kind of like cinematic. You'd feel like the, I don't know, almost like you're on a stage because everything's just like on one plane, you know, because trees are not going to be very tall. Sky is going to be coming like visually as far as your frame is, it's going to be kind of like hammering down onto the trees. Water is going to be your floor, which is going to be flat. And you've got this like, like almost like curtains on either side of you where the trees are going to be. So anything that's not sky, water, or trees is going to be kind of like the main character of that stage. And you get like a natural stage. You're not going to have hills in the way that disrupt, you know, the levels of things. You're not going to have stairs leading off to somewhere or buildings jutting in. It's going to be very like, even though it's alive and it's, you know, full of nature, it's going to be kind of sparse as far as distracting details. You can really focus in on something. So it's like painting with like four colors. That'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Speaking of like, colors. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, I was going to kind of like segue to something different. Um, if you would stay on like the Vietnam topic. Sure. Go ahead. No, uh, speaking of colors, I was looking at um, like, because I was trying to like copy like some professional photographer uh, setups. And a buddy of mine who's also into photography is like, oh, you know, color is like a whole different world if you want to get into that. And I was like, ah, yeah, whatever. Um, but then I saw like some like professional like studio photography setups uh, where like I'd never really seen photographs that were like so vivid with like such a wide variety and like different ranges, but it all made sense. Mm -hmm. Like they would all be like really warm colors and like the lighting would make the scene look very, very warm. Uh, just talking like greens and reds and things that nature all kind of arranged in like a special way. Or like at first I was just like, it seemed overwhelming, but then, like, looking at it, I was just like, oh, no, like, this is, like, very well balanced. Um, and I kind of want to, like, get into, like, some studio photography stuff. Like, if I can maybe, like, I don't know, like, not necessarily copy exactly what they did, but, like, sort of just take what they did kind of do my own version of it. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. So, like, what what aspect of the studio lighting and studio setup did you see that looked the most like like interesting but also like kind of where you felt comfortable and like kind of dabbling into uh it was very simple it was literally just a person like sitting on a bed 
Um, it just it seemed it just seemed like something that I could do here. It just seemed like something I could just do in my room. Mm -hmm. I just have to like go out and just get you know the different fabrics, um, and then just like set it up kind of similar to how they did it, and then just have like my own version of that photo. It just it, I don't know if I could be able to get like the lighting and stuff like exactly the same way they did it. Yeah, the lighting's the trickiest thing that I think when you're when you get comfortable with your camera and you're used to like actually capturing things in natural light, uh, like flash lighting and studio lighting can all be very like another whole learning curve because you run into this thing where if you are controlling the light, you have to control the light. You're no longer at the luxury of being casual, like, oh, well, the sun's over there, so I guess that's what we're dealing with. It's like, no, if you're in a studio situation where you have a really bright studio light or you have like a hair light to give details from somewhere else, like you have to make that work properly. There's not like this natural giant light source in the of burning gas in the sky, you know, where you move the, the, the subject and now you got a different photo. It's like, no, you have to really be pretty careful with it. Um, and one, what I mean by that is that you'll have your main light that you're using to actually just illuminate the subject, right? So maybe you're using just a standard white light, but maybe like you said, you wanted it to be warmer. So you shift it over into a warmer Kelvin value to make it a little bit more like, like have like a, you know, a warm glow, right? Now, if the person's wearing certain kind of clothes, that is going to absorb that warmer light in a weird way. It might look okay at first, but then when you go to edit the photo later, you're going to be like, wow, this really nice like pink shirt that they had on, which looked great in, in the scene. When I'm trying to edit now, it got over like saturated with the warm light in this pink shirt is now like a salmon or even orange shirt. And I can't, shift it back towards where I wanted it without fucking up everything else in the scene. Mm. Um, and so then you might run into something where you have the warm main light to kind of illuminate the face and get nicer, more pleasing skin tones on the person. But then you might have a contrasting like bluish purple light that's not even bright enough for you to like notice it in the actual photo but it's fighting against that warm light on that's going towards the face and spilling down onto the shirt. And you have that blue light aimed at the shirt to color correct in a way to bring back the, uh, the original like pink, pinkness of that shirt. Um, mm -hmm. And then you start getting into this thing of like balancing where you had, now that you've had those two lights, you realize that there's a weird awkward shadow on this person's chin because now that blue light came around a different direction than the main source light was. So then you get like a pure white light as like called sometimes referred to as like a key light or a hair light that's used to either brighten the edge of someone's face and create contrast in a scene or just to illuminate shadows. And then you learn about how like different lighting 
angles matter too. Like if you light someone from below, it kind of does that like ghost story effect. Like if you hold a flashlight underneath your face, it makes people look older. It makes them look like their features a little bit more contrasty and sunken in. It's usually not a flattering look. But if you want to do that for a character to make them look maybe more dramatic or something, you could. And that's like all stuff just with moving the lights and what color the light are before you ever even get into the syncing it up with like a camera and you know what 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 like exposure settings you're going to use the camera what white balance and i'm not saying it's like uh overwhelm you or intimidate you because it becomes really fun but it does get into a thing of like like it's like every action has an opposite reaction right so right. if you add light in one area, you need to make sure you're not creating a new problem somewhere else. And I don't know. It's fun. It's interesting. Um, I think the, the biggest thing, though, is that people buy one light and they only use one light. And they like, over-bright and the subject and the background looks really artificially harsh and stuff or dim and you know, they think they can get away with using their natural lights that are, like, in their room to illuminate the rest of this. And they realize how quickly, like, you're, the lights that you have in your, like, bedroom kind of suck from, like, a camera perspective. They're really not that bright. They're pretty dim. Hmm. And if you're using a bright studio light, it becomes even more apparent. So it's, like, then you have people who um, you'll need to just if you're going to light the subject, then you need to light the scene, too. And it becomes a whole, like, production, <laughs> right? Right. It's fun, it's fun though. But um, I, I think I would try starting with, like, off-camera flash first to get those really dramatic shots. Um, and there's some really good affordable brands that do that. Like, Godox is pretty good. You say Godox? Godox, yeah, maybe Godox, I don't know. It's G-O-D-O-X. Okay. So they make a, I have a bunch of their stuff actually. I have, I have their wireless like transmitter so that you can use their flash when it's not attached to the camera. Right. Um, and that's where you can start learning some cool tricks too. Where like may maybe you don't want the flash to go directly on the on the subject, but if you have a big like light colored wall, like a yellow or a white wall or a tan wall next to them, you can then like aim the flash at the wall, and then literally the light bounces off of the wall and also like spreads it out and softens it at the same time, and becomes kind of fun. Okay. I sent the uh the picture that I saw that kind of made me uh, mess around with like you know doing like maybe a studio thing with the like colors and stuff. Yeah. So something that's cool with that photo, and you can use to kind of learn, is you start looking at where shadows are. Uh, you immediately look for the color palette, and then probably shadows. You're going like, all right. What's being promoted here? You've got these aqua greens. You have that pink 
fuchsia kind of color and the skin tones are fairly correct but if you do notice there's only like four main colors in this scene and partially that's probably because they the colors have been all shifted towards one of those four colors and artificially changed i bet if you actually saw that scene how it works in real life that wardrobe isn't that is not actually the same color as her shirt not actually the same color as the bed same with how the the walls are probably not as purple as the little dress the table like cloth is um and so you look at that first and you go all right so that's probably been heavily edited there and then you look at and see where the shadows are coming from you've got you i think you probably have more than one light almost certainly in this situation because you've got one shadow on the back wall of that lamp on the purple wall which is not nearly as much of a downward cast as these other shadows are on her body and similar to the uh, shadow that's on the green dresser coming from the TV. So that's one thing to consider is go, okay, where is the light coming from? And it looks like you probably have a larger, more broad-based light that's lighting the entire scene that's coming sort of from the camera's perspective, but off to the left and above a little bit. And then you've got a much more direct light focusing on her and the bed that's facing downward more. Because you can see how the shadows are casting. They're stronger on her too. And they're also falling. Mm. You could even have a light off to the left, out out of frame, obviously, that's more pinpoint, not like a flood lamp, but more of like a spot that's actually illuminating her face from pretty much the same height as her face, just kind of like mm. a horizontal beam. Because you're not seeing any shadows either up or down on her. You're seeing a little bit in her eyes. But what about the scene did you like? Well, I just like the contrast of colors. Like you can like clearly see where the different layers are in the photograph. Like it's not like you know, you, you you can you get a lot of contrast from like black and white, mm -hmm. um, but with most like pictures, you know, maybe it's just the, the choice of colors that make everything stand out. Most pictures, I mean, like you know, you wouldn't take notice of like all the various details like on that dresser immediately, but because mm -hmm. all of the colors in the photograph are like so like intentionally there, it's not just like a room full of like random shit. It's, you know, each and every item was, like, placed in there for you to be able to see, like, the little green smoothie, you know, all those, the three little pictures that she has, like, the two small ones and the big one. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a cool shot, and I like how the different colors were used. 
to really just show this person's personality. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what I don't know what that book is that she's reading, but like it looks like it's a color palette book, maybe. Yeah. Or, looks kind of like that. Yeah. You know, like little police scene on the television in the background that looks like pretty edited. I don't know. Maybe they found like a TV that just had like a a pink tone to it like there's like oh this old crappy tv um but that works perfect for what we had in mind yeah also it'd be, easy I, to throw I, up. it'd be really easy to throw up like a, a mask yeah. over that and post and just shift it over to pink yeah um yeah no i mean i guess that's what drew me to it just like there's even like the accent wall with like all the flowers and then like the other mm -hmm. two adjacent walls are just you can tell kind of actually looking at it now, like this isn't a room. This is like a set. Yeah. Like, what, kind of, what kind of wall is That's like such a weird wall. Yeah. But. I really like how if you're just looking from top to, or from bottom to top, you go from the green. Well, you have the color palette book, which actually as a color kind of averaging all those colors together matches her skin tone hmm. so you've got that first layer then you go to the green bed as like a almost like a layer of a cake right that goes up and then you reach the pink sheets you come back into contact with the color palette book color which is her skin and then her skin is like separating the pink sheet until you get to her like pink shorts which match pink sheet and then you go up again and on one layer on one level you have like the same green dresser matching the sheets the matching the bed and then you have her her shirt kind of and then you like every time you keep going up you like you keep running back into a, a familiar color again, but it's all separated in a kind of pleasing way. Because mm. you really have like four main repeating colors. You've got the green, the pink, the purple, and like the tan. Yeah. Even the knobs on the dresser match the like tan color palette. The thing that stands out the most, I think, separately would be that blue tone with the towel. Yeah. So, yeah. Which kind of matches the flowers. And then whatever that blue thing is on the desk, I can't really see. Is that a candle? It looks like a like a Virgin Mary candle. Okay. I don't well, know hmm? if like the lines were like in it. I mean, probably like if it's in the photo and probably was intentional, but like how there's like a the horizontal lines in the shot kind of read left to right to me. Like the lamp. It like has like this kind of like curved edge just going up, but it's like shooting to the right, 
and then the the lamp uh uh, like the light cover itself is like completely horizontal. The television's mm-hmm. horizontal, but it's kind of like tilted to an angle that it's like pushing to the right. The uh, dresser is like pushing to the right, and it kind of leads right into her. And like that mirror has like those horizontal lines are all sideways. And then on the complete right side, you have the bed frame, which is like pointing to the left and then down towards her like bringing mm-hmm. the back to her again you know even like her leg it's kind of like yeah. a line that leads to her her face yeah her body shape is kind of pointing to the left yeah but it's not necessarily a, a pointing shape it's and it's definitely not receptive either it's kind of neutral yeah mm-hmm. Okay. It's funny. Yeah, it's the funny. mirror. The mm. mirror, though. Think about the mirror. It's got all those horizontal lines, and its reflection is very, very vague. Because mm. I almost guarantee you, nothing in that mirror is seen is actually. I feel like that has to be a fake reflection. Yeah. But. Or is this part of a series? Uh, this was like some website that does uh, photography contests. And this was one of the entrants for last year's uh, color yeah. competition. Um, okay. The actual photo that won the color competition, I guess, like I was less interested in. But I like people. Um, I like pictures of people i'm not like a huge like Mm -hmm. environment person i guess yeah it it was like really pretty it was like a pink beach like the whole beach was just like pink i don't know if like pink sand exists or if it was like edited to look like that or Mm -hmm. they just caught the sunlight at just the right time or something to get that but yeah uh, oh speaking of and then I probably got to head out, actually. Um, I like pink sand and beach and stuff. Sorry to cut you off, by the way. You're good. Um, just south of Ho Chi Minh City, it's supposed to be something called like the White Sands Beach or something like that, or White Sand Dunes or something. And it looks pretty epic if you want to try to figure out how to get there. It looks like like Arabian, like Saharan Desert kind of like sand dunes. Um, but it's like right on the ocean. So I don't know if we could get like a taxi there or something. Yeah, most of these taxis are like pretty cheap. I'm sure it's cheap. It's just a matter of, it seems like everywhere takes a very long time to get places from what I've looked into. I don't think the uh, road network is very well designed. So could be wrong but it looks like something that should take normally like a hour by car in most countries would take three and a half hours by car oh yeah these do look like some like arabian desert yeah not something you like associate with like vietnam yeah Yeah. it's like hey here's a picture of me in southeast asia it's just the desert There's also something called 
I don't remember where this is actually. Where is this? Yeah, it is Vietnam. Uh, Monkey Island. Monkey Island? Yeah. Are there actually monkeys on Monkey Island? Yeah, it looks we, have like a, it. we have a Monkey Island here, and there are no monkeys there. That's disappointing. It's messed up. It's false advertisement. Monkey Island's a lot closer, I think, too. I can't oh. find... Oh, there's, sorry, it's north, I think, not south. Yeah. Well, here's a picture of one of the monkeys, like, you know, messing with this dude's camera. Got to be careful of that. Yeah, I don't trust monkeys. Yeah, they're 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 so weird. Yeah, they're like the squirrels of Southeast Asia, but more dangerous. Yeah, like squirrels in North America, pussy. Uh, Gibraltar has monkeys. It's the only place in Europe that has native monkeys. Is Gibraltar in Europe, though? Yeah, it's the tip of Spain. But, uh, I'm sorry. I gotta cut the shirt. I gotta go. Alrighty. I guess it's coming up. So. Alright, buddy. This was fun. I'll talk to you later. Thanks yeah, for doing this. No problem, bro. Talk to you later. Bye. Send me, the, the, send me the audio so I can cut it up. Yeah, we'll do. Okay. Thanks. All right. Bye.